Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And when you get there, let's all stand. We're going to read through this passage together. Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Let's all stand. Verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were, they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was in the, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Now, I wanted to do all of that as background. This next section is what we're going to be looking at this morning. So let's start reading in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, 
Now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also, that the thoughts of of many hearts may be revealed. Lord, help us as we study your word today. Father, I pray that as we look at this text, that we'll look for, for Jesus. Lord, help us to see you in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Keep your place here. You can be seated. Open your Bibles also to Leviticus chapter 12. Maybe put a ribbon there. We're going to be there in a minute. Leviticus chapter 12. Leviticus chapter 12, of course, would be a strange passage for a Christmas service, but we've been known to do strange things before. This text, of course, the Christmas story, we're all very familiar with it. And of course, many of us are also familiar with Simeon. And as we've been doing our series on how to study the Bible, we've entered into a section called Look for Jesus. And so I'm calling this message, Look for Jesus at Christmas. Wouldn't that be a good idea? Look for Jesus at Christmas. So go back to Luke chapter 2 with me. Luke chapter 2. And I want you to notice something. I want us to look for Jesus in the fulfilling of the law. Look for Jesus in the fulfilling of the law. So Luke chapter 2 and verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. So here we find... so we're the, This is a fulfillment of the law. So what we find here is that he who was made of woman, this Jesus Christ, he was also made under the law. Remember what Galatians 4.4 said. Let me read it to you. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. So Jesus Christ was under the law when he came. So what's happening here? They are fulfilling what the law told them to do. That's what's happening here at this moment. But I want you to notice what it says again in verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. So Jesus Christ was brought by his parents to be circumcised on the eighth day, which was the custom of the Jews. But Jesus Christ was the one who made the law. Jesus Christ was the one who came, not who not only made the law, but he also came to fulfill the law. But he could not fulfill the law had he not been under the law. So it's interesting what the Apostle Paul says happened when Jesus Christ was circumcised. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5.3. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. He is a debtor to do the whole law. So this circumcision made Jesus a debtor to do the whole law. But you know what the good news is? He's the only one who could. You see, the Bible says that the law for the Apostle Paul was a schoolmaster to bring him to God. 
There, there is no way that any of us could ever keep that law. Aren't you glad you don't have to? But Jesus did. When he was circumcised, what he did, and remember, he had ordained this before he ever entered into the world, that he would fulfill this law. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. This law he alone could fulfill. But how did he do it? When he fulfilled the law, do you know what he then did, according to the book of Galatians again? He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, according to 2 Corinthians. And then it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every man that hangeth on a tree. Jesus Christ became a curse for us. When Jesus Christ was presented at the temple that day, when Jesus Christ came and his parents brought him, Mary and Joseph, when they brought him, I don't know that they understood what they were doing. But Jesus Christ came to fulfill that law. But not only did Jesus Christ come to be a debtor to that law and fulfill it. Remember, he said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. But not only that, I want you to notice the sacrifice. Look at the sacrifice. So look, get, get uh, Leviticus chapter 12 and hold it in your hand. But let's look at, at uh, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And so that's what they brought to the Lord. That's what they brought to the Lord. But what I want you to notice is a couple of things. So go to Leviticus, keep your place in Luke, but go to Leviticus chapter 12, and let's start reading in verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a woman have conceived seed and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean seven days according to the days of the separation. For, infir for her infirmity shall she be unclean. And in the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised, and she shall then continue in the blood of her purifying three and thirty days. She shall touch no hallowed thing, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purifying be fulfilled. Drop down to verse 6. And when the days of her purifying are fulfilled, for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring a lamb of the first year for a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove for, what, is it, what does it say, for a what? Why did Mary bring a sin offering? Because she was a sinner. And that's why in her famous Magnificat, she said, I, I, I thank, I, I praise God for God my Savior, for the Lord my Savior. So this sacrifice that they brought, it's a picture of the cross. Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Every one of these sacrifices pointed to Jesus Christ. When she was holding Jesus Christ in her arms, what was she holding? She was holding the Lamb. When, Jesus, when, when she brought Jesus to the temple, they couldn't afford a lamb for a sacrifice. Look at verse 8. We're in Leviticus chapter 12 and verse 8. And if she be not able to bring a lamb 
Then shall she bring two turtles or two young pigeons, the one for the burnt offering, the other for a sin offering, and the priest shall make an atonement for her, and she shall be clean. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. So when she brought this sacrifice, she couldn't afford a lamb. They were poor. They didn't have a lamb to bring. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ was rich and he was made poor for us. And he entered into a poor family. And this poor family couldn't afford to bring a lamb for a sacrifice. So they brought those two pigeons, those two turtle doves, which one of the two, and they sacrificed those, the sacrifice of poverty, one for a burnt offering, one for a sin offering. Why? Because they needed to be cleansed. They needed to be cleansed. And though they couldn't afford a lamb, they didn't realize at that time that they were carrying the lamb into the temple with them. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. The one that would die on the cross to pay for our sin. Every bit of it points to Jesus. The law is fulfilled in Jesus. Look for Jesus at the Christmas story. Look for Jesus. So look look at the law Look at the sacrifice. But not only that, look at the people in this account. So look at Luke chapter 1. This is really fun. Y'all are going to like this. Luke chapter 1. And look at verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the law or of the Lord blameless now look at verse 7 and they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they both were now well stricken in years they were old they were old all right so now look at chapter 2 so these are the parents of John the Baptist and they're old Luke chapter 2 look at verse 29 The Bible says, Now, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. So what happened? He, he had gotten old. Look at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Look at verse 36. And there was one Anna a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Aser, and she was, or she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven, seven years from her virginity, and now she is a widow of about fourscore and four years. So what do we see? Zacharias and Elizabeth, they're old. Simeon, he's old. I can die now, Lord. I've been waiting for the consolation of Israel. And now here, Anna, Also, waiting for the Messiah. And what we see are aged, elderly people. So why is it that Elizabeth, Zechariah, Simeon, and Anna are all very old and mentioned in this text? And it's identified that they are. Well, first, in all four examples, these old people are pictured as devout and godly saints. Isn't it wonderful when someone grows old in the Lord? And they're an example of what a godly person ought to be. That's what Zacharias and and Elizabeth were. That's what Simeon was. That's what Anna was. Can you imagine Anna? She just spent her whole life praying. 
She spent her whole life worshiping. She spent, she gave her entire life to the Lord. So here we have aged people, but not only are they aged, but they are godly. These are people that were faithful to the law. They were faithful to the ordinances. They were faithful to the temple. In the case of Elizabeth and Zechariah, Luke stressed that they walked in all the commandments of the law and were righteous before God. In the case of Simeon and Anna, Luke stressed that they were devout temple goers and cherished the hope of the Old Testament prophets. Anna is looking for the the redemption of Israel. Uh, Simeon is looking for the consolation of Israel. In other words, these were model Old Testament saints who kept the law of Moses and looked with eagerness toward the hope of the prophets. And let me ask you this. Why were they the only ones? Isn't that sad? They had all of the prophets. God had told them when it was going to happen. God had even told them the day that Jesus Christ would enter in his triumphal entry. The actual day. And all they had to do was count backwards and they would have had a great idea of when Jesus Christ was coming. And the only ones who knew about it were Simeon and Anna. It's an amazing thing. They were people who had been faithful to the law. So what are we learning? It's such an amazing picture. The time of the law was ending. The time of the old era was ending. And something new was about to happen. Jesus Christ was going to be born. There's going to be that transition time between John the Baptist and between the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ is going to walk the earth. The apostles are going to walk the earth. They're going to start announcing that the kingdom is here. When the kingdom is rejected, then there's a shift. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. He ascends to the right hand of the Father. And there's a shift to the church. And now we live in this church age, but Jesus Christ is still coming back. So just as those faithful Old Testament saints were looking for the first coming of Christ, the faithful saints of the Lord today are looking for the second coming of Christ. And he is coming back. Look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. There's something else about this. These these Old Testament saints, they were model saints who kept the law of Moses and looked with eagerness toward that hope. And remember what the Bible says in Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. What's the kingdom of God? Jesus said the kingdom of God is in you. Jesus wants to come and live in you. Jesus Christ wants to come and dwell in you. Jesus Christ wants for you to receive him as Savior. And John was the announcer. John was the one that announced that Jesus Christ was here. What a blessing that is. But there was an end to that old era. The Bible says in John 10, in Romans 10, 4, that the law had reached the end. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Now, as I'm looking out here, I'm seeing Grace Baptist Church people. And some of you seem kind of bored with this. Man, if you had to live under that law, you wouldn't be bored. The end. These old folks, they saw the end of that era and the entrance into a new one. But we all know that when Jesus Christ announced that that the message was going to go to the Gentiles, that that's when the Jews wanted to kill him. This, they, they thought that they were the chosen people that nobody else was going to be able to get the message when their whole purpose for existing was to be a city on a hill, a light to light the world. They hadn't done it, so the light came into the world. 
And that is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ came, now the message is going to go to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Now it's, the message is going to go to the Gentiles. But I want you to notice something that happens in our text. The Bible says in verse 32, <clears throat> verse 30, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. Look, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Here's what Zechariah, here's what Elizabeth, here's what Simeon, here's what Anna understood, that Jesus Christ was going to be a light for the whole world, for the Jews and Gentiles alike. And one of the things that you see here is there's no conflict between the law and the prophets and the new age of the Messiah. He shows this by depicting the most devout people under the old era as the most receptive to the new. And listen, if we had lived under the old, we would want the new. Are you thankful that you live in joy? That you live in grace? That you live in peace? That Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law? Jesus Christ is the Savior. Praise God. He shows this by depicting the most devout people under the old era as the most receptive to the new. Elizabeth and Zechariah and, and Simeon and Anna do not become resentful and angry that the Messiah has come, not even that he will be a light to the Gentiles. They rejoice that the new has come. So look for Jesus in the law. Look for Jesus in the people. But look for Jesus in the testimony of Simeon. Look for Jesus in the testimony of Simeon. He had belonged to the faithful remnant of Israel, who in the dark days of decline and apostasy held fast the word and waited for the promised fulfillment. That's who Simeon was. And now we know his name forever. We know his name forever because he believed God. My question is, do you believe God? How many of you are glad Christmas is here? Are you, are you glad about that? You're thankful for it? Well, when Jesus Christ came into the world, he came to redeem us from the curse of the law. And he came to purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. But those good works cannot save us. Only he can save us. By the works of the law shall no flesh be justified, the Bible says. No one can be saved by the law. That's why Jesus Christ came. That's why he came under the law to fulfill the law and to end it. It has ended in Jesus. Praise the Lord. There's another thing that I want you to see. Look at what it says in verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Do you see that? The Holy Ghost was upon him. See if there's any repetition here. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law. So what do we see? The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned ten times in this passage. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can draw us to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that causes us to look for him. The Holy Spirit is the one that knocks on our heart's door and says, let me in, let me in. Believe Jesus, believe Jesus, believe Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the one that comes to indwell us. The Holy Spirit is the one that seals us until Jesus Christ comes back to get us. That Holy Spirit of God 
that is in the testimony of Simeon. Look for Jesus in that because the Bible says, if any man hath not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. But right now at Christmas time, there are lots of false Jesuses that are out there. There are people that, 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 yeah, they want to worship the baby in the manger, but they're not interested in the one that shed his blood on the cross. They want to, they, they like the helpless baby. They're not interested in the powerful Christ that is coming back. That is the Christ of the Bible. And I want you to notice, let's look for that Christ in Simeon's confession. So notice what it says in verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen, what does it say? The Lord's Christ. The Lord's Christ. See, Christ means anointed one. It means Messiah. There were many false messiahs, and there will always be false messiahs until Jesus Christ makes the world his footstool. Until then, we worship the Lord's Christ. And the only way you can know the Lord's Christ is by the Holy Spirit of God. Anything else, the Bible says, is antichrist. Look for Jesus when you're looking at the Messiah. Look for Jesus. Look for the biblical Christ. Look for the Lord's Christ, not the world's Christ. They have made him into something that he is not. Let's worship the Christ of the Bible this year. Look for Jesus at Christmas. And then look for Jesus in salvation. This is so fun. Look at what it says in verse 30. So he takes the baby up in his arms. He's holding this child. And he says, verse 29, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. See, salvation is not a thing. Salvation is a person. Now, so interesting, the person had to become a thing. And that's what the Bible says. When, when the angel is talking to Mary, he says, that holy thing that is in you. Because God's a spirit. They that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. No man's seen God at any time. God's a spirit. And so in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says, a body hast thou prepared for me. Jesus Christ became a thing. The spiritual being took on flesh and bones and he became a thing that could be beaten that could have nails driven through his hands and feet, that could have a crown of thorns pounded into his head. That's who Simeon is holding. See, salvation is not a thing. Salvation is not water in the baptistry. Salvation is not bread in communion. Salvation is not a thing. Salvation is a person who became a thing, a man, for you and for me. Simeon saw Jesus, his salvation. My prayer for you this Christmas is if you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life, that today you'll look to Jesus for your salvation. If you've been trusting your religion, that's a thing. It can't save you. If you're trusting your baptism, that's a thing. It can't save you. If you're trusting in communion, that's a thing. It can't save you. If you're trusting in your, in your good works, those works are a thing. They can't save you. The only thing that can save you is a person, and that's Jesus Christ. And every person who has ever lived needs Jesus Christ to be their Savior. Whether it's apostles, whether it's Old Testament saints, whether it's you and me today, even Mary, his mother, Joseph, the one who raised him, 
They all needed a Savior. Isn't it an amazing thought that she carried the lamb with her into the temple? And I think Simeon was the only person who knew. Why did he know? Because he was looking for Jesus. Are you looking for Jesus? How does the Bible end? Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Bible ends with us looking for Jesus. So at Christmas this year, let's look for Jesus. Amen? If you're here today and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus alone for your eternal life, just ask him to save you. It's so simple. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation is a person, not a thing. Trust in Jesus. Believe in Jesus. He wants to be your Savior. Amen? Let's all stand together. Lord, thank you so much for coming. And I think of the song, when, these poor, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. And as I try to explain what happened at Christmas... I feel so inadequate to communicate it. But your word says that you became flesh and you died on the cross for us. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate your entry at Christmas. But every Sunday we celebrate your resurrection.